so that live in the light. It's 5am, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> it is 5am. I'm, I'm doing this with a cup of coffee on the desk. Yep. I'm trying not to um, scream too loud in hilarity or anger. No. Uh, because my wife is asleep in the next room. You know, it's all good stuff. Yep, yep. If you want to know why... the good content. Yeah, if you want to know why we're up at 5am, fuck you. <laughs> that, that's really good. I, I enjoy... Um, I like the idea of, like, tweeting Neil Gaiman or something to say, like, Neil Gaiman, why is this line written as it is in, in, in um, Good Omens? And it's just, oh, um, fuck you. <laughs> just, what, Neil, why does this character have these motivations in American Gods? No, 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 no. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Off you fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quite right. Quite right. You know. Indeed. I... Right, um, we can't get too comfortable in the bullshit, Danny, because I don't no. know if you remember how we do these episodes. It's We've been got time. So long. Yeah, we've, we're, we're on we're on a, a time limit here. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we are uh, sooner than expected doing the second part of the two-parter of yeah. Doctor Who. Uh, season two, episode ten, and it's called uh, the Satan Pit. Bit on the nose, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the devil, the d- s- hole. <laughs> Lucifer is in this hole. We promise. <laughs> um, and it was written by Matt Jones. It was directed by James Strong, and it is starring David Tennant, Billy Piper, Sean Parks, Claire Rushbrook, Danny Webb, Will Thorpe, and Ronnie Jal. Jules. Indeed it was. Yeah, and there's others in it as well. Ud One well, is played by... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, imagine if we did have individual credits for all of the Ud. That would be quite a surreal experience. Yeah, that would... Be, they, they, they start that at the end, don't they? At yeah, the end of the episode. Which is insane. How many Ud are there? There's like 50 or something, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that'll take not as long as you'd think then. Yeah. I'd be a depressing journey home. Just <clears throat> Jesus, what do we Listing do now? Off thousands and thousands of ouds. <laughs> yeah, pass the time. It's like counting sheep, <laughs> counting ouds. Uh, it's a living. <laughs> um, do you have an opening statement? Um, I do have an opening statement. Um, a good conclusion to a two-parter, which frustratingly does leave me with more questions than I I I entered the episode with. <laughs> um, but with that said. Who doesn't love a big old demon in a hole? Yeah. I mean, no, no kink shaming here. Uh, <laughs> have you got an opening statement? I do. You can you can tell how like, uh, absurdly rushed it was by the uh, amount of times that I say great in it, okay? Right. Um, a great two-parter ending with a great meditation <laughs> on belief and faith as well as a general... Uh, a genuinely thrilling chase sequence, great characterization, and a great ending. I think mm. it was great. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point about how it's. Um, what's the point I'm trying to make now? You make a good point about how it's like kind of about belief and about faith and stuff. It's like it's all. They make a good point of how it's all very much of a muchness to say, yeah. "Oh, I believe in whatever." It's like, well, yeah, but who gives a shit? <laughs> there's always something out there to sort of confront your beliefs and I think they make a good point of showing that yeah definitely especially with um, the doctor who's like meant to be like the arbiter of knowledge and at the end of the episode he's like I think we beat it that's good enough for me it's like Danny are you there? 
Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I don't know. I I don't know why I'm cutting out. Um, there were some technical difficulties this morning. <laughs> yeah, I just did a botched David Tennant impression and said that the the doctor who's meant to let, have all knowledge doesn't know oh. what it is either. So, like, mm. even the smartest nice. can be confronted with their beliefs. Oh yeah. Um, have you got some CRQs then, Chuck? Yeah. Um, I love the voice of the beast. The voice of the beast is quite good, isn't it? It's how it's sort of sometimes a male voice is more prominent, sometimes a female voice is more prominent. It sort of changes, which is quite nice. Yeah, and it's also like got like while it's speaking, it's got all the voices of the oud at the same time, as well as like the sort of interchanging mm, voices, mm. which is really cool. Um, yeah, that is very cool. It's very unsettling, especially in the scene where they're all sort of listening to it, listing off like. Like what they are and their sort of darkest fears and stuff like that. That's it's, mm, de- mm. it's definitely one of the more interesting Doctor Who villains, in my opinion. Oh god, yeah. She um, I was gonna say yeah. Sorry, it is one of the more interesting Doctor Who villains. Um, but on the same level, I do feel like the episode, as I say, closed out on too many questions for me to really get too into it. Yeah, things like um. If Toby would have gone into the black hole anyway, why push him out of the rocket? If if the entire rocket, crew yeah. included, was heading for the black hole, why did Rose feel the need to push Toby out a window? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and he can survive out in space. Yeah, y- yeah, he can. Um, why didn't the ancient civilization just throw the beast in the black hole? If the black hole was there and they had access to it, why not just chuck him in? Yeah, like... <laughs> There was David. David Tennant said that uh, oh, when your body's destroyed, your mind goes with it. Um, I feel as if that's like ambiguously written, so that at any time, some writer who watches this episode again, it's like, oh well. I mean, they could have just been wrong about that and just bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. It's um. Also, if the Time Lords invented black holes how did this ancient civilization have the technology to 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 create and harness the power of a black hole to keep a planet spinning around it yeah see that's one of the that's one of the problems with doctor who they there's so many like little tidbits like so many funny statements of like impossible Mm. things that just actively contradict (laughs) what's happening in the episode um but yeah uh what the fuck is the Church of the Tin Vagabond? Okay, let's break it up. Tin Vagabond. What is a vagabond? It's a, a sort of a homeless traveller. Like a homeless traveller, okay. And I think. A tin is a metal. Does it have any other kind of meaning? Or is it just a metal? Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be like some sort of robot sort of wanderer or something like that. I'm gonna just search it because there'll be a wiki no, thing. No, for come it. on, we can figure this out. Come on. I reckon in that case, if it's like a robot traveller mm. it's a robot traveller that had like an algorithm that allowed it to like learn more as it travelled. Then as it travelled like a lot of different places and it learned a lot more, it gained some sort of very powerful beliefs where it was like, maybe we should just all be nice to each other and stuff like that. I reckon that's what the tin vagabond is. So you think it's a benevolent church? Um yeah, <laughs> I suppose it could go the other way though. 
a, a tin vagabond if, if you're a robot that like charges around and you're like actually no humans are the scourge of the universe yeah do you know what I mean I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to cite some uh, some Sarah Jane adventure uh, logic at oh, you in excellent a th- in a throwaway line Sarah Jane says that she defeated the patriarchs of the tin vagabond oh okay so mmm don't know don't know about that Maybe there's like two sects. Like, yeah, there could be another. Se- I mean, we're digging into the best <laughs> secondary world building here. But, more, um, more like tertiary, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's very true. It's a, it reminds me of all those times on um, things like Family Guy and whatever, where Seamus, the ornery sea captain, would show up and be like, oh no, I'm not going to be included in this, am I? I'm like a tertiary character at best. And then he'd just walk out, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the matriarchs of the tin vagabond because that's interesting because church of the whatever implies that there's a singular leader or something rather than a council so the matriarchs could be some kind of maybe the tin vagabond like i don't know exploded or something and then now the 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 matriarchs kind of rule over it sort of thing i think it's patriarchs say again i think it might be patriarchs oh well Whatever it is. Um, the Patriarchs of the Tim Vagabond were a religious group, presumably part of the Church of the Tin Bag- Vagabond. <laughs> they either worshipped a deity known as the Tin Vagabond or were under the command of a being so named. Okay, it's just... Wow, this is this is, this is wow. a on-the-ground article. Yeah, and that's it. I'm not even joking, that is it. That's That's, that's what happens. So whoever was in charge of that article must have had an easy day. <laughs> I want you to write an article on the patriarchs of the tin vagabond. Right? Okay. Um. So so what? So what do we know about them? What, well, are they, are they in a book? They're a religious group. <laughs> they either believe in a being called the tin vagabond, or do what a being called the tin vagabond says. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> wow, amazing, fantastic. Mm, that was a very easy day. Um, I've, I there's a couple of things I really like about this episode, obviously, because it's a really good one. Yeah. Um, th- there's a very the Doctor sort of moment where he's sort of he's sort of petrified, but he's still very determined. He's sort of um, I, I like that a lot. How he's sort of it, it's staring into the face of uncertainty and being terrified. And yeah, I'm thinking. No, I, I still. If I stick to my beliefs, if I work my way through this, if I'm, what's that thing you said about the, the promise of being the doctor, never cruel or cowardly, and be kind and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's right. If I stick to these things, then I, I will come out the other side, sort of thing. I think it. That's in a weird way that personifies the doctor's faith more than it personifies anything else. Mm-hmm. Because, like, why did the doctor name himself as such? It's because he made a promise to himself. Okay. Well, could it not be argued that religion is a promise of like, if I follow the Ten Commandments and whatever, I will get into heaven? Could that not be argued? That's what religion is in a funny way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely a sort of moral system, and like, mm. it's 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 this episode specifically is forever questioning all the sort of the morals that that we have. Um, yeah. Yeah. And whether it's worth sort of having 
faith in something because mm. like even though the the doctor is typically a sort of being of like science and reason in fact it's like what's life without a little faith you know mm, mm. um and it's it it's a it's a deus ex machina but it maybe sort of works for this mm. episode the fact that the tardis shows up and yeah. it's like his his sort of faith in Rose is rewarded, I guess, if you wanted to take a reading of that. But um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I believe in her. Smashes the yeah, and then the tide disappears. <laughs> yeah, smashes the flower vases and the and the, <laughs> the tide yeah, which I still feel like I don't quite understand the vases. I think right. So these all-powerful ancient civilization they entrapped this beast in a planet. Yep. For eternity, rather than just chucking him in a black hole, because that would be silly, wouldn't it, Dan? Yep. They um they decided to put him in a hole with some vases, and the vases control the advanced um, science that stops the planet from going in the black hole. Yeah, so it it they generate the gravity field that stops uh, the planet falling in. So they are the machinery. Yeah, and you smash right. them and that's, okay. that's yeah. it. Okay, um, I, I figured they were just like a control panel or something, and the planet was made of machines that that did everything. So I was very confused. Yeah, I did. See, that's the thing about look. So there's, oh, <laughs> I guess you could argue, oh, they work in mysterious ways, just like religions of our own. But it's just so much fucking pissing about. I mean, for literally fucking billions of years, you're waiting yeah, for a yeah. tiny group of you know, people to to fly into a black hole um, and land on this planet, hoping that they'll eventually drill to the bottom, assuming that they don't all get killed. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Well, maybe that's the entire point, is that the ancient civilization had faith in, in the potential uh, for yeah, sort of future no. explorers. <laughs> I can only go so far. <laughs> also... Here's a question. You know how the tin cable um, snapped up at the top by Mr. Jefferson and Rose and that, and then it fell on Ida and the Doctor? Yeah. Did the cable break... Was, did the beast base break the cable, is what I'm asking. Um, I, I guess so. Because if so, if he's got, like, telekinesis or whatever, why is he? why does he give a shit about getting out of the hole? If he can just interface with everything around him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know... <sighs> Normally, I would really be annoyed with these things, but essentially, that is like what cosmic horror sort of is. It's like you're mm, not really yeah. meant to understand it; you're meant to sort of be horrified at the sort of at the existence of it. Yeah, yeah, the the insignificance of us, like grappling with demons and and ancient sort of plans made by stuffy yeah, yeah. ancient civilizations. It's like we may not get it, but because it's cosmic horror, it's 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 horror. Just the idea that these that these sort of ancient beings would just play about with us mm, mm. in such a way, rather than just killing this, that maybe maybe they just see it as there's so many different horrible reasons that 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 could have happened. It's pretty scary when you think about it. Mm. And there are some um, as on top of the sort of cosmic horror elements, which I obviously love. There are a couple of really nice sort of dialogue elements in this story. Um, like in when they're in the rocket, um, and the doctor starts smashing the jars. Uh, Toby says, "What's he doing?" 
rather than what's going on yeah. or what's happened or whatever. And it's sort of a little indication that the beast is is controlling Toby and the beast is in there sort of thing. Yep. No, it's, it's um, that's slowly teased as well. It's not like shouted at you right away. Mm. Um, it's only when you think he's going to die that he finally sort of reveals himself. Um, yeah. There's a good um, sort of... Mr. Oh, sorry, go on. Mr. Jefferson's self-sacrifice. Yeah. Always, always gets me. I always like sort of get a bit. Oh my god! Yeah, if you could. I think it's how we don't know how he died. We don't know whether he died from suffocating or whether he died from one of the Ood killing him. Yeah, I mean, he's only like a sort of side character, but like, you know, he's he's had a bad sort of relationship with his wife, mm-hmm. and even though like he's he's, God knows what sort of drove him to like the middle of nowhere. Maybe that'll yeah, have that'll yeah. have something to do with it, but he was given sort of dignity in his death, mm. which is like it's just it's re- you can really tell that like Matt Jones cared about these like characters, even though they were in like a two parter, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is refreshing to see in Doctor Who because I feel as if like as as the sort of series goes on, individual characters that are in sort of side episodes are very dispensable. Yeah. Which, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, they sort of have to be, but like, try and make us miss them a little bit before you mercilessly kill them off, you know? Mm-mm. Give them something. Um, one thing I would say is the um, the idea of slaves, like, rebelling uh, sort of with the weapons of their oppression is, is like a very nice yeah. sort of thing. And then you realise, oh, it's a, it's literally Satan is making them do it. Is this, <laughs> yeah. is this some kind of very on the nose message that I don't, I'm not quite seeing? Yeah, it's hot. It's it's another sort of aspect of the horribleness. It's like I would say that the Ood have like every right to let you know riot and just be like fuck yeah. this, you know, <laughs> and just overthrow who's the people that are oppressing them. But mm. so often you see with like revolutions and such, it's often sort of hijacked or like co-opted by people or entities that really don't give a shit about the sort of the sort of movement and really just use it to their own ends. Which is because mm. once the beast is dead, they're just sort of cowering as the planet just that. So it's ultimately they're the. They're, the victims. Yeah, they're yeah. the sacrifice at the end of the day. It's, it's all yeah. of them that go down with the, mm. you know? And that was um, one of the most bizarre points of this episode when um, the man with the time machine said, I only had time for one trip. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, how did... how did, And another thing, how the fuck did he manage to get all the way up to the... Th- so he must have went back in time to get Ida... Presumably, yeah. Right. But for some reason they couldn't do it again. You'd be like, uh, once once the TARDIS uh, goes back and, and uh, uh, becomes part of events, it becomes part of my timeline. Ah, so I had to let all of them die. Uh, Doctor, are you making this up for no apparent reason? No, 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 no. I'm not. No, no, no. There's all these complicated reasons that you don't understand, Rose, you stupid idiot. <laughs> I think thematically it works that the would sort of perished. I just wish they'd played it a bit more rather than mm-hmm. just like a throwaway line. It's like, I only had time for one trip. Oh, where are we off to? Like, right, like, 
if it was yeah yeah but you can't have everything can you no i know what you mean um one thing i do particularly like is um looking at toby with the idea of the beast controlling him but hiding it it, it sort of gives me more love for the story like um there's that bit where he's like oh all of a sudden i completely understand the runes um but obviously looking back you can sort of see oh no it's the beast controlling him do you know what i mean yeah i really quite like that no definitely um I was no. Do you know what? If we ever get around to Alien, mm. doing the Alien film, I'll save it for then. But there's a sort of similar theme with that that I'll that I'll talk about if we ever do that film because that's a that's a great film that plays with like the idea of like performance and like you know hidden threats and stuff like that. For a second, I'm slightly I was slightly thinking, what did I? really miss watch alien it was like a big towering demon that i completely <laughs> forgot about sigourney weaver face off with with the devil at some point in that film yeah i that's 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 what it's all did, did you not know that the alien f- franchise is like a uh like the chronicles of narnia like a sort of <laughs> metaphor for heaven or something uh, there's like four of those movies you know that yeah and there's like i can't i think there's like six books or something fucking hell yeah they stopped after like what was it voyage of the dawn treader i think it's called with the guy God from knows. with kenny from we are the millers i think um it's sort of bizarre it's because they had such a weird level of success with the first two mm-hmm. obviously the first one was so incredible and then the second one was incredible for a completely different set of reasons. Yeah. And then they were like, well, we've made two banging films. Let's just keep making them. Yeah. And they made a third one and then a fourth one. They were both not really as good. No. A bit of a weird one. Did they make four? Yeah. What was the fourth? The third one was on like an oil rig and or something. Um, an oil rig? I don't think it was an oil rig. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but yeah. Um, okay, Alien 1979, Aliens 1986, Wait. Uh, Alien 3, 1990. Oh, for fuck's sake. What? I thought you were talking about the Chronicles of Narnia films. Oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I think it's called. That's the third one. I was like, did oh, they make no, four? I've never watched Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, my God. I was like, when you said, yeah, they made the first, the first one was incredible, and the second one was also incredible. I was like, I mean, they were all right. I mean, I don't. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Have I not told you I have a pas- passionate love for the Narnia films, including, I mean, Liam Neeson as a lion. Yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton as a lady who gives out Turkish delight. Yeah. I love all that. That's great. Yeah. You know, I do love Turkish delight, and I do like Tilda Swinton. So I do like Tilda maybe Swinton. I would enjoy enjoy um, Chronicles of Narnia. How much Turkish delight does it involve? <laughs> I, I qu- it's it's really rather um, uh, kind of a weird sort of plot. Um, he his the the boy that she gives Turkish delight to likes Turkish delight so much that he would sell out his other siblings. <laughs> <laughs> and lead them to a, a, a magical land where they're all going to oh get God. killed. For it's like, can I have some more Turkish delight now? I brought them. <laughs> um, maybe if you were like a a really is he like a poor street urchin? When is it set? It's set in like uh, well, the second one set like 
during World War Two. But oh, the if first... you were like a poor sort of street urchin in the middle of the Blitz, and then all of a sudden Tilda Swinton shows up and gives you Turkish delight. I don't think they're poor. Maybe that'd be enough to drive you utterly insane. I don't think they're poor because in the first one, I've got no idea. They go to this huge big sort of state home that they live in. Oh well, yeah, they're not fucking poor then, are they? Yeah, um... but I don't know if they've just been sent there. But I don't... Maybe it's going from um, going from like Victorian boiled sweets, where it's like, ooh, do you want a mint humbug? Ooh, yeah. No, I'd rather kill myself than eat a mint humbug. To going to Turkish delight, and his, his little Victorian child heart can't quite contain it. Yeah, I mean, his his siblings are like, I, th- I guess it's his siblings are like cruel to him, and then, you know, he oh, thinks, well, yeah. I mean, I've got Tilda Swinton and some Turkish delight now, so I'm. <laughs> Things are looking up. Uh, <laughs> it's all going up, me. It's all. Do you not think Tilda Swinton would be really good as the Doctor? That would be like such a weird, unique take mm-hmm. on the character. She would be. She's just brilliant. She's um, yeah, I love Tilda Swinton. She was really good in Snowpiercer, a film I mentioned in the last podcast. I still um, need to watch which that. I don't think yeah, but she was really good in that. She's like, that. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't. It, almost certainly, they say her her na- her role on the train, but I've completely fucking forgotten. She's like the train manager or something, right? Um, but she speaks with this like really broad Yorkshire accent, mm-hmm. and it's like really surreal to see like Chris Evans and John Hurt speaking with such brilliant enunciation. Yeah, and then Tilda Swinton's just like, "You all have your place at the back of the train." It's like really <laughs> surreal. It's like she's like doing this metaphor with a shoe. It's like all really fucking weird, oh but it's God. great. There's a there's a great film, um, called Suspiria, mm-hmm. about little witches in like a sort of dance academy, and yeah. she plays. Sorry, what witches in a dance academy? Yeah, Is it some kind of magical dance. Is it like Hogwarts but with dance? I, I can't. It's a horror film, and it's <laughs> it's a rem it's a remake of a horror film, and like. There's like, it's like, they're grooming this young girl to be like the next sort of grand witch or something like that. Right. Um, and she plays three characters in it. Okay. She plays the sort of head of the dance academy. She plays mm. like the, the old mother superior witch. And she plays an old man as well. Right. She's, okay. And she's like completely distinct in all three characters. She's fucking phenomenal. Let's see if see if you didn't know that she was playing three characters. You wouldn't mm. know that the man wasn't her. You know, it's really yeah. it's like I know. Oh, it's brilliant. The performance is great. Mm. And I know it's um. I know. Let's be completely honest. The acting in the Marvel movies is not sort of why you go and watch them. But like, no, she was really good in Doctor Strange as well. I think it's yeah. um. It was quite strange and quite refreshing to see such a what's the word a um. Enigmatic, sort of enigmatic performance, a sort of stage presencey performance. Um, I was going to say neurotic. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, she was doing lots of little things. Um, I can't think of the word. It's too early. But she. <laughs> but yeah, uh, go on. She has a sort of unique ability to like express a lot by doing very little. Yeah, yeah. Like she doesn't. She, um, she doesn't tend to like move her face a lot. But it's like her, yeah, like yeah. a dart of her eyes is like, oh, oh God, what's happened? You know. <laughs> yeah, it's um, in a weird way, it's the Clint Eastwood school of acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where like um, he just looks angry, and then he'll like do a slight 
head tilt and you're like, ooh, I, I can sense it's because of his mother's death or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, definitely. Um, you heard it here first, folks. Tilda Swinton and Clint Eastwood are exactly as good as each other in terms of their acting capabilities. Yep, yep. Tilda's like, oh, for fuck's sake. I spent my life trying to be better than Clint Eastwood, and I'm I'm only just just being as good as him. I'm now. only I'm only as equal. My plan has failed. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm actually out of notes. Um, I think I'm also out of notes. Yeah, you could tell because we started talking about Tilda Swinton, and <laughs> she's not even in this episode. <laughs> what Tilda Swinton? We started talking about Narnia. That was it. Yeah. Is she in any episode of Doctor Who? Um, I don't. Um... I don't know. I don't think so. I can't remember. If we have, if she ever pops up, we'll be like, ha ha! Tilda Swinton, Doctor Who. Um, nope. No. She was in a 2017 article that said, um, Doctor Who is looking to replace Peter Capaldi. Um, the Academy Award winning Swinton keeps popping up in conversations. Oh, see? Mm. See? I mean, she should be really good, but um, maybe she's like, too good? I don't know. Yeah. Well, sorry. There's a Telegraph article here that says so. The next Doctor Who is going to be Danny Dyer. Oh, you've see right. Listen, it's a Telegraph article from 2017, but you know, I don't know who's the Telegraph isn't really known as a a bastion of accurate reporting. I don't know who's listening to this, mm. but if anyone let it, it the BBC ever listens to this <laughs> podcast, right? If Danny Dyer ever, and I mean ever. I don't care if, like, he leaves EastEnders and let, let Robert Pattinson proves that he's an amazing actor look behind it all and all that. I don't care. If he ever becomes the Doctor, I will never watch this show. I won't even speak of it. I'll pretend that it like, was cancelled and, and, and was funding was removed if he ever becomes the Doctor. I mean, remember I've been... No, not me. My pal has been in the same toilet as that man, so... Oh, wow, that's exciting. Remember I told you? You did tell me this, yeah. Yeah, and I weaseled my way out of a line about it. I was like, wasn't me in the toilet with him, it was my friend. Oh, ho oh, ho oh. pulled my way out of that one. Eh. What a claim to fame. My friend went to the loo in the vague proximity of Danny Dyer. <laughs> yep, 15 minutes. Wow. As, as Mr. Andy Warhol said. Uh, but there you go. Uh, right, I have. I think we're definitely out of notes now. We're talking about having to go into the loo with Danny Dyer. Yeah. Have you got a closing statement? Um. Yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, Satan. Brilliant. Okay, um, a good episode that leaves me with a, a frustrating number of unanswered questions. But at least the rocket ship is pretty. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, okay, True. Uh, that, that is my closing statement. Have we got some horrific shilling to do? Yes. Um, make sure I get that. Uh, we all have link trees. Oh my god. And uh, let's start with Lewis's. Uh, Lewis's link tree is uh, linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Yep. Uh, the podcast's <laughs> link tree is linktr.ee slash shouting into the void. That's a good one. And mine is linktr.ee slash ohiram. Very nice. I see you've moved the pause to before you start the link. Now. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so yeah, you can find you can find all our socials on there. Um, Instagram, uh, our YouTube channel, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Facebook, go have a look. Um, because we'll be waiting for you. <laughs> yes, look upon the face of God and see that it is terrible. Yes, uh, that's a great quote. I love that quote. We also have a PayPal donate button, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly appreciated. Um, mm-hmm. we also have Patreon. And we want to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons who keep who keep this show alive. Uh, you keep the lights on at Shouting Into the Void Towers. Dead, yeah, fucking... Yeah, my loft. Um, <laughs> uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Dougie. Thank you, one and all. Yes. As as we say, you do keep the lights on at Void Void Towers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but on a more serious note, you do enable us to do this this show that we adore making, so thank you very much for that. Definitely. Do you get it, Void Towers? Because the towers are void. Woo! Um, no, I don't get it. Because they're void, they're null and void, they don't exist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hey, um, yeah that sort of works, I suppose. <laughs> you can have that, you can have that. Uh, <laughs> Actually, bus fare home, you can take that one home with you. <laughs> Uh, we also have merch on our Teespring and Redbubble. We sell all sorts of stuff: uh, tote bags, jumpers, uh, mugs, stickers, all sorts of tacky shit. Um, so get yourself over there and spend money that you don't have. Amazing, <laughs> fantastic. Um, um, have we got a couple of ads to run? We do, yes. And I oh, believe yeah. you're editing this week. Uh, yes, I am. Um, here is our first lovely advert here. Uh, now, do you know what my favourite part of recording the podcast is, Danny? Is it talking to me about movies and stuff? No, definitely not. Uh. <laughs> my favourite part is making and drinking a beautiful cup of coffee to keep me focused and centred while we record. I really like using coffee from my favourite roastery, Cafe Hormozzi. I've heard very good things about them. Aren't they a small, family-run roastery in Kent that roasts, grinds, and sells excellent coffee? So good, in fact, that they guarantee not to ship anything they wouldn't drink themselves? They are indeed. They have a 100% customer satisfaction rate, and it's easy to see why. I'm currently drinking a mug of their house blend, and it's delicious, it's rich, it's nutty, and it's earthy, just how you'd want it to be. Mm, that sounds good. I'll have to go to hormozy.co.uk, that's hormozy, and pick up a bag with 5% off using our Shouting Into The Void discount code SITV5. That sounds like a great shout. I'd personally recommend their Vietnam White Dragon Origin coffee. It's delicious, and just like all of their coffee, it's great value too. Great! Now can we go talk about movies? No, this cup of coffee's far too good. Ugh. You know, the thing I really love about that advert is that we haven't actually recorded it yet in real life. Yeah. That's the thing that I I absolutely adore. It's um, after we've recorded this episode and the next episode, we're going to have to record that. And um, so I don't know how good it is. It might be terrible. It might be brilliant. Who knows? Let's be honest, Lewis. It's going to be fucking great. It will be great. This is true, yeah. Speaking of great, great advertising, um, (laughs) here is another advert. Now. Danny, I've got some amazing news. Oh, really? What? I'm going to make you a hat. Thanks, but why? Well, because Right Side Yarns, who sell beautiful and unique wool, have recently released a new range. 
Oh, I've heard of them. Aren't they that fantastic Scottish business that sells high-quality hand-dyed products perfect for crafting with? They certainly are, and they're sponsoring the show. Really? Have they heard the show? Yes, and apparently they like it. Kezia, the owner of the business, has given us a generous 15% off code for any of our listeners to use. Is, Is that why you've got Void15 written in your hand? It is! If you or any of our listeners would like to use the code, simply enter VOID15 at checkout with a capital V. Great! Word at checkout! You can go to their website at rightsideyarns.co.uk or check them out on Instagram at kezia underscore rightsideyarns. Fantastic! That's how you're making me better be good. See, that is how you make a good advert. It just gets better every time I hear it. Like, there is it no... does. Forget about that advert, that Apple advert from the Super Bowl <laughs> where, where that bloke throws a hammer at a big TV. Forget about that. Yep. Nope, that is the one. That, that, you know, that Apple advert was directed by um, Ridley Scott. Was it? Yeah, there's that famous Apple advert that was like, everybody was like, whoa, that's amazing. But on the same level, it also didn't really advertise what the computer did. It was um, people were at computers and then a bloke ran in and threw a hammer at a big TV. Um, it was all quite strange. And then there was like a bit of contention about who was hired to be the background act- actors. Because all, all of them had shaved heads and it was a bit like, oh, well, did you hire skinheads for this? And Yeah, it was meant to be like 1984, wasn't it? Or something like that. I remember watching Steve Jobs, and that's what they were like talking about during it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the history of advertising can be summed up in the advert that we just played. So you know, it it was that advert, even though it was made years after it finished, is the reason that the TV show Mad Men existed. Yes, that is completely (laughs) true. Yes, Don Draper drills over that advert. I am responsible for John Hamm's career. Yeah, you're, you're welcome, Mr. Hamm. Yep, there you go. Um, but yeah, and uh, last but not least, we are partnered with an another amazing company called Number Twelve Crochet Avenue, and Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Indeed, I am. Number Twelve Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife, in which she crochets things, and she's really good at it. If you want to go and t- check it out, you can go to Instagram. Um, you can go to at number 12 crochet avenue uh, it's all words there's no numbers there's no punctuation uh, it is just words and letters go and take a look it'll mean the world to me and also to my cat and do you really want to disappoint my cat That's never a question never absolutely not <laughs> well monica is perpetually disappointed regardless of what you do <laughs> has cats for you though in it oh yeah it's so uh, <laughs> She's um yeah yeah that that's that's true. She cat slapped herself the other day. Oh my god, she's cat slapped everyone else. It's like who's left? <laughs> <laughs> Time to do myself. Yeah, she was um, scratching her face. Yeah, I think she got confused as to what was and what was not a predator, <laughs> and um, slapped herself across the face as you do. That's I was watching what... it unfold, and I was like, what the fuck is going on with my life? That is that is some classic self-loathing. Right there. Yeah, it is a bit. Um, okay, I think that is definitely the end of the episode. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, tune in for The Void. And um, we'll see you next week for Love. Danny's favourite episode of Doctor Who, featuring Peter Kay. Yeah, Hate and Fairies, it's called. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.